It's being recorded. All right. <laughs> it's being recorded. It's live on Workplace. Everything's happening. Awesome. <laughs> if you're in witness protection, yeah, sh- this is not the place to be tonight. Siobhan's what? taking care of all the de- technical details. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, everyone knows who I am. Definitely. <laughs> okay, I can get going a bit here. Welcome or welcome back to another episode of Scouting Stuff. It's just me, Scouter Ken, this week, and actually it's not even just me. This is a bit of a special episode because it's actually a discussion that took place on Scouts Canada's Workplace. Workplace is kind of like a Facebook for businesses. It's it's a Facebook product or a meta product, and it behaves a lot like Facebook, but it's for like workplace collaboration and Teams collaboration, sort of Facebook's answer to, I guess, like Google or uh, Google Workspace or Microsoft 365, Microsoft Teams, that kind of stuff. And Scouts Canada has one set up and new scouters are, new and old scouters are invited to join it. And so, of course, I've been on it for a little while. And there was this really great discussion that took place led by a guy named Tim Blair. And Tim, just by way of introduction, is the group treasurer with the 11th Seymour Scout Group here in Canada. And he held a session presentation on how to say yes to your waitlist, because that is something that a lot of scout groups are dealing with, right? They have sort of a backlog of people wanting to join the group. And as we've talked about in previous episodes with Scouts Canada's big opportunity, you know, one of the challenges that Scouts Canada is really putting forth is figuring out ways to reach more youth using the volunteers, the resources that you already have. And so Tim put on this session of how to say yes to your waitlist, offering his perspectives as a group treasurer and how a group can position themselves to welcome in those members who eh, don't quite make the initial registration cutoff, but still want to take part. So roundtable discussion led by Tim. Have a listen. See if you can pick up some useful ideas. I'm also going to try and arrange to have Tim on the podcast at some point in the future, probably in June, if I can manage it. But for now, have a listen to the presentation and the discussion that goes around it and uh, see what you think. Maybe it's something that you can use for your group, too. Uh, Welcome. I know some others are going to be joining. I'm out out on the West Coast. It's very sunny and warm. Uh, We've got a heat wave going through right now and broke number of records uh yesterday actually what i noticed one of the records of victoria that record had been stand uh, last for 130 years wow so broke that broke that record by uh, a couple de- almost almost two degrees and i broke the squamish record by six degrees so i was uh, and and today's the hotter of the apparently today is the hottest day of the uh, high pressure ridge coming through so, um, can you say yes to your waitlist? I was looking when I first joined the uh, leadership summit and looked at Chris posted something about uh, do you want to do a presentation? And looked at the criteria that came out of the um, what's it called the core so the core group. And um, one of the things is can you say yes? And so uh, I our group has had some experience with this and i thought uh be helpful to share and have a discussion and i'm gonna figure out how to click slides so 
there are many groups that are struggling and there are many groups, but there's also many groups that have wait lists. Um, actually, sorry, I meant to, before I jump into this, just do an acknowledgement that uh, I'm with 11 Seymour and we meet and operate and have all our, most of our adventures uh, on the unceded territory of this Coast Salish people and specifically the Tsleil-Waututh Nation are our next door neighbors. And uh, so I hope that in the future we can have more communication with them and uh, what some might call interreligious or intercultural dialogue. Um, okay, so yes, there are groups that have waitlists. And so this uh, presentation is obviously for those who have waitlists. And uh, so first thing I want to ask is, uh, who are you? Uh, I know Simon quite well, but um, the other, Greg, Kit? So I'll, I uh, have just stepped down as a group commissioner, but I've been, I was a group commissioner for eight years. Uh, and uh, I am a group support scouter at, at the time with Shining Waters Council in Ontario. And is, uh, um, oh, sorry. Uh, just just mention if your group or the group you're most closely associated with has a, has a wait list. Uh, so I, my group, uh, and the one that I'm working with is first come in felt Bay. Uh, yes, we do have a wait list and, uh, yes, we have some, uh, interesting, um, discussions about that because we are starting a second colony to remove wait list. All right, kids. Yeah. Uh, I am the council commissioner for shine waters. And is there, a, is there a group that you're most more closely, usually you, you, you jump from group to council. So I'm sure this one that you're. Uh, well, yes. Uh, I'm also a contact troop scouter for 6th Richmond Hill. 6th Richmond. Okay. 6th Richmond Hill. Yes. Oh, so Richmond Hill. Oh, that's a completely yeah. different side of the country. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. And is 6th Richmond, do you know if they've got a wait list going? Um, well, I mean, I only work with the troop section. So no, there's no wait list right now. Yeah. All right. And Chris? Um, I'm also in Shining Waters with Kit. I'm second Markham. And we have a very small wait list. But um, we haven't done anything about it because we are trying to figure out the logistics of opening a second colony or second uh, um, pub pack and working on that kind of idea yet, like whether it's worth it. And with the new... Um, cost of um, uh, being in the schools and finding a space to uh, to expand is also making it. Um, oh, sorry, how small is small? I think my beaver troop, or sorry, my beaver colony has two or three, maybe four at the most. So it is very small, um, but it's there. And I think Cubs might have one or two as well. Those are the only two groups that would have, or only two sections that have a wait list. If I may ask, how big are your uh, sections currently? Um, colony is 20. Uh, cub pack is 25 or 26. Troop is about the same. And our vents run at about 15, 16. Oh, that's a healthy uh, pack to troop ratio. Yes, we have a really um, strong membership. Uh, lots of families with multi-ages, you know, multi-section families and stuff like that for the continuity. It's just a matter of getting the leadership that's in there. Uh, Siobhan, or do you have a group that you're associated with? 
Yeah, so uh, I am on this call uh, in my role as a project and member engagement advisor, but uh, normally on Monday nights, I am with my pack. So we're first Blackburn Hamlet, which is in just east of Ottawa. Uh, I have 22 cubs. My pack has doubled in size this year because I say yes um, to everything because I'm very comfortable with a bigger ratio. Um, however, my beaver colony uh, within my group has 16 kids and about six scouters. Uh, and they have had little wait lists throughout the year. Uh, fortunately, the part of Audible we're in, we are able to uh, to kind of sh- uh, not shove them off. That's not fair to encourage them to look at other groups um, so that we don't lose their membership. But I, I really think it's a disservice to us because I can't backfill my my pack from 16 beavers quite as nicely. So I'm really hoping to find some ways to help them say yes, because I think I think they definitely have the scouters and they have the physical space. So I'd love to see them. Uh, start to say yes, especially when it's only one or two kids and you're not letting in, you know, eight at once. Right. Yeah. And you've, you've touched on a few things that we'll we'll talk about in a few slides. Um, Simon, do you want to say anything? Simon's our council, my council relationship manager. Um, yeah, I'm Simon Edison, council relationship manager for the Pacific Coast Council in Vancouver. Um, and found out about this late uh, from Tim. Uh, thank you for letting me know. And uh, even more, thank you for putting this together. So I'm, I, I will try and do twice as much listening as, as speaking throughout uh, uh, your presentation. Yeah, well, which is hard. You, for me. Will, you will, you will also <laughs> see a number of uh, concepts come up that you taught me. So, okay. Oh, well, so, uh, oh, yeah, please raise your hand. We already went over who we are. Uh, oh, who am I? Um, so I'm treasurer. And you don't get that many treasurers on the leadership summit. I think I might be the only one. But uh, I'm a treasurer of a very large scout group uh, in North Vancouver. Uh, you would call me a very engaged treasurer and pack scouter. Um, and when, our, when we're between contact scouters, I tend to fill that role. But ideally, I'm, I don't like to be contact scouter for very long before somebody else comes in. Uh, our group has expanded by, I think, at least about 40% in the last five years. And so we cleared our wait lists in January, and we now have a new wait list for both beavers and cubs. Uh, I think more for beavers than for cubs, but it's, it's significant. And um, to give you an idea as to what we deal with is our beaver colony is 44 beavers. And last year it was 48. Wow. Um so we're, we, we're definitely pushing the envelope in terms of how to make things work. And this is one reason I think it'd be uh, useful to talk about it. Um, and we've, you know, we've had some growing pains, but we've definitely been saying yes almost every year. Uh, and that's in large part thanks to my group commissioner, Fred, um, and previous group, and the two group commissioners prior to him too, uh, Glenn and uh, Mike. So it all it actually... Uh, probably started with Glenn five years ago. Um, Our cub pack is 55. And so we'll get into how that works as part of, you know, what the options are. So ways to expand. Uh, I find that when I talk to groups that have expanded, uh, they all seem to have their own story. It's it's sort of like you talk to a family about how they figured out childcare and everybody has their own story. Uh, So I'm obviously familiar with mine, but, you know, uh, for mine, it's, all our activities are outside. And because we live in Vancouver, that means even the beavers are outside. The parents quickly learn to dress their their beavers up and uh, cubs, et cetera, in uh, muddy buddies for most meetings and gumboots. Uh, a lot of, uh, they 
quickly learned that headlamps are mandatory through the winter. And we also invested in a couple of battery operated floodlights. So we operate uh, at a park that it does have a picnic shelter. A picnic shelter uh, just you could you can fit probably 40 under the shelter if they're doing crafts. So that's where the beavers do their crafts. Uh, I recognize for a large part of the well, most of the country, uh, getting beavers outside regularly can be ch- uh, challenging, if not uh, possibly unsafe. But um, that's how we've made it work. Uh, strong programs, and this I've heard from all pretty much all the groups that have expanded. And you know, for us, uh, there's uh, we have a culture of mentoring new scouters, and that mentoring then passes the culture down. Uh, we're our group is a young group, and how I phrase that is every single scouter has a child that's in the program, and everybody on youth on the group committee has a child that's in the program, and we have a number of rovers who are also scouters. So we don't have any retirees. We don't have anybody who um, you've know, been been doing this for twenty years. Our oldest scouter, I mean, our longest serving scouter has been I think with us twelve years. And so that group culture, that passing the group culture down has been very important uh, for us. Um, and it's it happens, it, we, we have to do it. It's, it's, it just ends up happening um, as part of being a young group. Um, and then with the strong programs often attract parents. They like to see strong programs and they are seem to be much more willing to raise their hand and volunteer. Scout recruitment. So there's many different ways, as I'm sure you all know. I've you know, there's two uh, presentations coming up in the next couple of weeks on New Scouter Welcome Committee and volunteer onboarding, and with this workplace um, forum, there's even a group called the Volunteer Recruitment Group. I put in there a, a bullet about don't rely on digital media, and that's just um, one of my little uh, causes is cause well, rants, if you will, is is when we develop material, when we think about scouting, when we pass information on, only assume 50% of scouters are interested in reading digital material. There's a lot of group commissioners who are not part not part of this workplace leadership summit. And I'm I'm not great with digital items either. But uh, you know we we do a lot of face-to-face talking with with parents, especially at group camps. Uh, one of our best recruitment tools is our group camp where all beavers must come with a parent and then we're offsite. I'm uh, sorry. We're like out of our, out of our community, not very far, but, and so there's parents and they are helping in the kitchen. They're um, and when they're not in the kitchen, they're following their little you know, youth, uh, their beaver around to the activities. And so we, there's always one, maybe two of us whose job it is all weekend is to talk to parents. That's been quite successful. Uh, we had a group camp two weeks ago and we have looks like four new scouters for next year. So ways to expand, uh, splitting sections. This is where Simon gave me some advice uh, a year or two ago, and I've been talking to others. Apparently the hardest part about splitting sections. And as I mentioned in my intro, you know, our packs and colonies are very big. Our group has intentionally decided not to split sections um, for better or for worse. Is There's downsides to having extremely large groups. But so if you're splitting sections, I've been told the hardest part is finding a location, especially beavers, if you're going to be having them indoors half the time or more. 
finding another school gymnasium, finding another church basement. Um, uh, we have a Lions Club facility just down the road, which is fully booked with uh, various community affairs. Um, I've been told you'll often find someone to run a small section. Now, you got to bear in mind, I don't have a huge amount of experience splitting sections. When I was younger, uh, I was part of a group that had a split pack. But um, there apparently a natural divide will often appear. The, 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 the sections don't have to be 50-50. And you, you can have a quiet pack and you can... Quiet, not quite. <laughs> uh, a quiet pack and a rowdy pack. You can have a badge-focused pack and a games-focused pack. And that often emerges out of the scouters who are running the packs as to how much communication do they do with their, their packs. And obviously, I'm focusing on Cubs here. That's where, where my family's at right now. Um, different meeting nights. They, that will naturally split the sections due to sports, sport commitments. And the question is, do you really need to week, meet on weeknights? You could have one pack meeting on a weeknight and one weekend meeting on the weekend. And uh, apparently through COVID, there was a lot of parents who really enjoyed the switch to weekends. Benefits of the weekend is it's not in the dark. Parents are not rushing home to feed kids right before beavers or cubs or scouts. Uh, the important part is if you do split a pack, you should have them plan their program together. That ensures that each pack can, or colony can rely on the other to help uh, provide resources. So say you're doing orienteering. Uh, at a local park at you know, map reading. So to one person from each of this, uh, the split sections, each of the packs gets together. They, de they determine what the activity is. Here's the maps. Okay. They can now go away and they can hold their respective map reading night. You also definitely want to coordinate camps, get all the cubs together for camps. The more cubs you have it in one place, it seems the better it is. I am curious on if any of you have some lessons that you'd like to chime in with. I'll, uh, I can certainly go first. Um, uh, so a, a lot of the things that we learned, we learned through COVID, uh, so specifically with, uh, scouter burnout, um, we, we ended up actually bringing three groups together. So I am in the Barry, uh, so it's a, it's a city north of Toronto. And um, so we brought three groups together to share resources during COVID. Well, it ended up actually making sense to actually merge those three groups. Uh, so we had an abundance of scouters in one section uh, and not a lot of scouters in other sections. So we went through that the process of, of trying to move scouters around uh, to be able to fill in gaps and holes. And it's uh, overall, it's worked out really well, but because a lot of groups took a, a hit over COVID and coming out of it, uh, we have uh, wait lists for a lot of them in the Barry area for the our junior sections, uh, specifically Beavers. So with the three groups, we had a multiple of uh, meeting spaces. Uh, so now we, we were able to... Uh, parlay one of our meeting spaces into another night uh we've got uh two scouters that are willing to take the the lead on and we've uh, been able to contact parents of of the youth on the wait list so we now with the other four groups that are in the area 
there are 18 on the wait list. So we're in a position to be able to take all of those youth um, if they wish to join and and get those kids active uh, as soon as possible. Now, we're still looking at September for a start date, but we do have um, meeting space. We have now four scouters that are ready to go. And uh, and we've got youth to be able to fill the spots. And this is in conjunction with using our first colony uh, and sharing their resources uh, and expertise so that everyone is on the same page. Great. Um, and you, you're still having a single group committee, so you're not splitting into the three groups anymore. It's- that's that's exactly right. We had we had a, a reasonably good uh, group committee in in one of the groups, uh, so it, uh, building on that. So we are just working through succession planning in the group committee now, and other people are coming in. And um, but yes, we do have a healthy group committee, uh, and uh, we are going to look at expanding our troop uh, into the south end as well. So um, yeah, we were looking at. Uh, just back to you know a few years ago, look, me and a fellow scouter Toby were talking about okay, should we accept this new waitlist in January? And the waitlist, we 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 usually do our registration as everybody does uh, on the new system and do registration in September, and then cap it at how many people, how many new cubs can come in, and then the waitlist uh, starts. Now, as we all know, they're paying to start in January, and so we. Often, and we're doing this with beavers too, is we'll let the waitlist grow so that the scouters that are on the ground through the fall, they get a sense of what the pack or colony is like and how much they can accommodate. Can they accommodate one more layer or one more lodge? Is our scouters showing up regularly to be able to do that? And then it's come December, we've been making a decision as to, okay, can we open up the waitlist? For several years in a row, we generally have. And then we shut it down again um, after that wait list, so in January. And we, we tend to have this just a habit of, of shutting down our registration just to ensure there's no surprises. You know, somebody signing up in March thinking they're, they're paying for a September start date. But, you know, the, the switch to a January start date has actually made this, I'd say, a little bit easier to accept the white wait list. Because you have this period from September through December where the waitlist grows and you can, and we, we still operate on a, a school year cycle, as I imagine most of you do. And so we have this period to look at, look at the, uh, the scouter ratios and gauge our uh, own abilities. Anybody else want to share? Yeah, a little bit. Um, so I'm my group, the 31st Hamilton, and we have two colonies that are currently Running, we we won actually on the exact same night in two different locations. Um, anyways, we found what we do is we kind of don't have the same program during when we're when we're at the church. However, we're not normally at the church. We're at, we go to either the park or different places, and when we go and do that, we're together both colonies, and we we have about thirty three to thirty five beavers. So, like tomorrow night, I'm we're going together to the planetarium in Hamilton. So, and we are going to be bringing thirty beavers with us there. So, it's That's great. We we find that if we are at the church doing meetings, we do do sometimes 
like they we they may do pizzas one night and we do something else, but then we sometimes switch it and do it a different night or something like we still do. We, we kind of have our own program to the interest of the kids we have, but we change it when we sometimes yeah, do the still, same. Yeah. You, you still want the, the program to be youth led. And so yeah. you'd expect your different colonies to be slightly different. Yeah. Um, so back when I said we've got, uh, yeah, 55 cubs and 45, 44 beavers. So, you know, question I often get when I go somewhere is how do you make that work? And it gets back to the scouting method, patrol system. So it's all about the patrol system, the layers, the lodges. We have one scouter who's always in charge of a single lodge. They don't, they don't switch it up. And so our blue, uh, let's see, our blue layer, which my daughter's in, um, the scouter that's in charge of that is called Scouter Blueberry. And that's, that's what the Cubs name, named him. And so he follows them through the entire year. And so if you want, you think about youth development, you really want an adult following their, their progression through the year and being able to comment on that, comment on their development in spices and things like that. So having one that's assigned, and now, yes, they can't always make it. There are backup scouters who do float. I'm, I'm one of them. And they do the same thing with our large beaver colony. And you'll find if you ever get into our situation where you got this many cubs, that you can't, it, it, grand howls are really difficult. Getting them all together and paying attention as one big group. So you spend as little time as possible doing it. Yes, we do have an opening. We have a, a, a minim, minimalistic grand howl. There's no wolf head. There's no flag. There's no formality. But there is the sayings um, back and forth. And obviously uh, speaking there. Um, the, the law and the promise and the closing as well, bring them all together. But it's often in closings is where you want to ask those questions related to spices. And you can't do that in a large, very large group. So that has to be done at the patrol level. And all the scouters involved have all commented that it works. I was actually on the fence about it. I was probably the biggest proponent of splitting sections. And our group commissioner said, no, we can make this work. And he was right. Okay. Actually, did anybody else want to turn? I just noticed we don't have just have five people here. We've got 11 people. I'd actually like to share because I think this rung true. Um, I did put it in the chat, but critical mass is huge and really important. Um, when my pack was like 12 kids, uh, my Kayla was some kind of old fashioned guy. And he swore up and down 12 was the number um, because we could go to the fire station. And I'm still not sure why not having 20 kids so that we could go on one visit a year to the fire station, which does allow all 22 of my cubs to visit, by the way, um, was worth it. But it's honestly easier to have 22 kids. I can run different games. If they don't like each other, they don't have to interact with each other, which is the problem when you have like 11. Um, and if you're missing a couple, especially this time of year, I'm competing with e-ball and competing with soccer. Um, I don't have to scrap activities because I have four kids at a meeting, right? If I'm missing a bunch, I still have like 13 kids out. So I have found it much easier to run a bigger pack because they're less in each other's faces too, which is really nice. Um, so I find it a lot easier to run with 22. And genuinely, I'm not sure I'd ever want to run with 11 again. Yeah, I, I'd agree. I, I like I like the 18 to 24 range um, or just individual layers but you'll come together uh, for the last four weeks. Our pack has been doing four different activities. Uh, one of them had, had a, had a limit of 15 cubs. It was archery. 
And so we ended up having four activities on the same night for four weeks in a row. And our contact scouter just split the pack in four. And at the beginning of the year, when we're arranging layers, we have that in mind is like, okay, arrange the layers so you can split it into three or four when you need to. And you have to pay attention to siblings because you don't want a parent taking their tub to two different locations. So things like that. Um, Coming up the next three weeks, we're splitting the pack in three. Uh, That's because I can only handle this maximum. I can handle uh, teaching canoeing at one time. And so uh, the others, they're doing geocaching and uh, some other orienteering activity. Any other uh, stories about expanding your group? All right, hearing none. So yeah, I, didn't I actually mean, I have you. one. I think, uh, yeah, everything that was said, oh, I think it's, uh, you know, resonates very well. I mean, the other things that, you know, I share and I found it to be success with the troop I'm with is uh, something called like the permanent patrol system. So, you know, they have four years in troop, right? So instead of, you know, resetting the patrol every year, in general, you know, they'll stay in the same patrol through four years. Of course, you know, some people, they request change or, you know, if they want to try different, you know, another patrol, that's fine, right? But then by default, they will actually stay, you know, in the same patrol. And also, you know, say if they refer someone to join our troop, right, uh, then they will be in that, the new scout will be in that patrol so that, you know, whoever referred them can, will help onboard the new scouts. Good point. I hadn't, I hadn't thought about that before, but I have seen it in action. And uh, mm-hmm. I can see how that would be a benefit to both retention and to managing large groups. It just helps with their uh, identity, right? It's something that they're really proud of. Yes, absolutely. Okay, so if you're thinking about accepting your waitlist, there's obviously a number of concerns. Aiden Powell, he wrote in his famous Ace to Scout Mastership, and if you ever heard about that, then you should go read it. It's a fantastic read. It's and still relevant. Uh, so Baden Powell had a rule of thirty-six. Why a troop should not exceed? Sorry, thirty-two, not thirty-six. Uh, why a troop should not exceed thirty-two? A number in a troop should preferably not exceed thirty-two. Why? Because Baden Powell himself figured that uh, d- determined that this number uh, sixteen is the most number of boys that he could deal with getting at and bringing out the individual character in each boy. 16, not 32. But he suggested, okay, maybe there's people out there that are twice as good as him. So I found this funny. Uh, It's obviously a bit tongue-in-cheek, but uh, it's worth thinking about. Okay, what was Baden-Powell trying to get at that there? He was trying to get at that that scouter-youth relationship and uh, for their personal progression and development. And this gets back to Doing the, using the patrol system and having one scouter per patrol, it still accomplishes the same thing that Baden-Powell was trying to explain in this, I believe. Um, I once asked Mark Little a number of years ago. He was uh, at one time the executive director of scouting experience. Um, how big a pack or section should there be? And he said the ideal section size is 18 to 24. So, yeah, I list this under concerns because this is coming from national leadership. And uh, if you are doing a grand howl, Yes, you don't want more than really 24 or even 20 if you're going to be kind of asking the whole pack questions, but we can get around that. Other concerns. How do you manage so many youth at once? I went over the patrol system. Will we have enough scouters? That's often the question. And this gets back to my comment about the uh, the January start date now for registration is 
lets us through the fall determine, do we have enough scouters? We look at the wait list and ask the scouters, hey, do you know anybody on this wait list? Can we approach them personally instead of just sending them a blanket email to the wait list suggesting they become scouters? If we know them personally, then let's bring them to a meeting and they're used to a meeting. If we uh, Obviously, they have some sort of reference from within the group. And you know they can I think they can attend up to three meetings. So that's three weeks of of bringing that adult and youth to the their meeting and and seeing if they'd become a scouter and explaining that you need to be a scouter and then you can get your youth into the program. I I mentioned here active and passive approaches because I've heard of an approach where you just allow everybody to sign up. Oh, and now we don't have enough scouters, and so you have a a large parent meetings in at the end of September. This is more of the passive side. And you explain to the parents, look, we'd really love to run our beaver colony, but we don't have enough scouters. We need somebody to speak up. So, sorry, stand for, uh, step forward and take on a scouting role. Uh, and as I mentioned earlier, individual conversations with individual parents. Some of them, it takes me two years. I identify them as potential. They, they have that look in their eye. You all, you've all seen it. That look of, you know, this is interesting. So they're standing on the sidelines. They come earlier. They stay a bit longer when they drop off their youth. And somebody, it's often me, will will approach them during the grand howl and say, hey, have you thought about joining? Is is your youth uh, having a good time? Things like that. Just simple conversations. All right. What do you do with slacker scouters and non-committal scouters? This can be frustrating for any pack is when you've got a large pack, you've got to divide up all of your um, responsibilities. And we have a, my pack has a great culture of, uh, we've got our two contact scouters. We've got our two scouters that are purely focused on camps and planning and programming camps, well, planning camps. And then all the other scouters, they're responsible for program. They have to take one, one night in the fall, one night in the winter, maybe one night in the spring and plan the program. Obviously, after this is after all the feedback from the youth as to what they want in their program. And you get scouters that try and avoid that conversation or scouters who just want to show up and be warm bodies that can really damage the morale. And so be careful of that. Sometimes it takes a hard conversation of, Hey, we need you to work on programming. What are you good at? What part of the program really appeals to you? I had this conversation a couple of years ago with a fellow who's a, an emergency nurse and uh, he wasn't a slacker scouter. I won't. I won't suggest that. And but uh, he was new to the program, so I had a conversation with him. Is like, look, let's let's look at the OAS skills. And he really zoned in, zeroed in on uh, the emergency badges. It all made sense to him. And so he's been planning the activities related to emergency badges for both our pack and our troop. He's done a great job. Non-committal scouters can be an issue too, especially if you're acting uh, operating the patrol system that I've recommended or not recommend, that we, we use, that scouters who don't commit to coming every Tuesday night or every Wednesday night, and you won't know until two hours before the meeting whether they're coming or not. That can be a hard conversation as well between the GC and the scouter responsible uh, that's not, not being so committal because you, you're relying on them to shepherd a layer, uh, layer or a lodge through the program for that evening. What else do we have? Oh, group health. So we have so much going on that you got to still be weary of your group health, still have those conversations. But now is so many conversations to have 
for a GC to have with scouters. So you got to pick and choose which conversations to have which years. Some years you focus on the the youth-led matrix and can we improve our youth-led nature? Some years it's just down to basics. It's like, how do we get more scouters? Are there any other concerns that people have as they think about um, saying yes to their waitlist? Oh, there's a number of items in the chat. I just noticed. Okay. Liam, can I just make one comment? Yes, Simon, go for it. Um, so your comments are interesting. They're all interesting, but specifically the slacker scouters and the non-committal scouters. Um, it's my thought around that is uh, when you go to bring on a new potential scouter, there are a number of things that we have to do for training and screening, et cetera. And it always... Not always. That's not fair. It often surprises me how many groups and how many group commissioners leave the interview till the end. Uh, this is a mistake. It is just a huge, huge mistake. In fact, the interview needs to be done first and foremost. The people need to know what they're getting into. Uh, sometimes you have an interview with people and they come to find out that they don't have the time to do the training. They don't have the time to come out. And so we say, that's okay. You know, thanks for the opportunity for an interview. And, and, they, and you leave as friends and that person never becomes a scouter. Um, it may surprise people to know that nationally, only 50% of our volunteers actually get to an active status. So they sign up and only 50% of those people have got to do all their training and their screening. That, that's, a, that's a terrible number. Um, and so by having the interview and you're managing expectations and, and getting to know these people, getting to know what they want out of scouting uh, for themselves, for their youth, for their community, um, this will set the stage. And uh, it, it, it's the most important thing that, that a group and that a group commissioner are going to do. Do that interview first and foremost, and then, and then go from there. Uh, it's okay to say no thank you to people. Um, also there are, I mean, I can tell you examples where a scouter does an interview and their spidey senses go off and they're like, you know what, this dude actually seems like a pretty gross, creepy guy and they can't pinpoint it. And they have said, you know what, I think we're just going to pass on this person. Um, thanks, thanks, but no thanks. And, and they have walked away from people and, and that that's okay. That, you know, group commissioners are allowed to do that. They get them. They get a sense. And I think everyone here knows what I mean by you get a weird sense for some people. Not a lot, not a lot, but every now and then you get a weird sense. So do that interview first and foremost, please, please. Okay, I'm just reading some of the comments. Thank you, Simon. Um, and I do I do a number of the interviews. I'm sure we all do interviews. Uh, uh, from Scouter William on Workplace, uh, Group Commissioner for 14th Willowdale in uh, Greater Toronto, GTC, Greater Toronto Council, I'm guessing. Uh, Waitlist in Beavers and Cubs, but we don't have enough leaders to take on more youth. And uh, somebody on the comments has also mentioned how their Beavers meetings switched the weekends during COVID. And I've heard that from other groups and how the parents really appreciated it until sports started up and, you know, you Beavers move into Cubs. And when you move into Cubs, sports, you know, instead of one day a week, it's, it can eventually become four days a week. <laughs> as it is in my family. And uh, thankfully we always block out the time for, for, for Cubs. So it's a priority for um, uh, my Cub, my household. Um, Siobhan, uh, critical mass cannot be understated having 22 Cubs. Oh yes, you mentioned this in person, Siobhan. Thank you. And from Chantel, be clear on communication when splitting sections. 
do not want rivalry between the scouters or the youth. It's worth, I, sh I should put that in the slide. The more the merrier, all very true, Siobhan. And uh, Dan from First Paris in Ontario, we have over 30 beavers. Could definitely use more scouters, but thanks to some dedicated scouters working multiple sections, we've made it work. We have to split them out. Uh, host church has let us use both upstairs and downstairs. Let's us do it the same night at the same place. When we meet outdoors, which is often, we are always one large colony. And certainly meeting outdoors just makes growing your group so much easier. So that's it for me. Uh, I appreciate everybody that's joined, everybody that shared their words of wisdom. Uh, feel free to add more in the text. And uh, you can post, well, I guess you could post po uh, messages to this particular presentation or reference this presentation and post the messages on general workplace. Not really sure how that works, but assuming it's a bit like Facebook. Any last questions or comments? I just want to say thank you for this. I didn't expect to attend this. And this is super, super helpful. And I think I have a lot that I'm going to encourage my scouters, especially in Colony, to take on because you made it very approachable and bite-sized. So thank you for this. And thank you for, for taking the initiative to set this up. It's super appreciated. Welcome. It's my pleasure. Yes. Thanks very much, Tim. I, uh, it's always great to to hear different ideas and, and perspectives. Uh, and that's what I thoroughly enjoy about uh, these summit events is hearing from people from all across Canada, uh, not just our geographic location, uh, because we're all in this uh, together and uh, the sharing of ideas is what makes scouting better. Thanks, Tim. This is uh, it's an interesting com uh, uh, topic and it is it is complex. It is not straightforward. It is not just purely mathematical. Um, it, it's, it's a tough one. It's a challenge and we've got to be, we've got to be creative. And as I think you've been very clear, you got to look outside the box and just because someone's uh, a group has already always done something that way, doesn't mean that, you know, they necessarily want to do that. So it's got a lot of complexity and we're talking about people who are, of course, the, the basis of, of organization. So it's a, it's a tough one, but, um, love the uh, presentation. Thank you. Have a good night. Thank you. Scott O'Collin isn't here to ask me the question this week, but if you would like to get in touch with us, we always welcome hearing from you, listeners of the Scouting Stuff podcast. You can email us, scoutingstuffpodcast at gmail.com or at outlook.com. Not picky at all. I get emails at both. You can follow us on Twitter. We are at SSYSK podcast. I should probably change that handle at some point, but for now, we're going to keep it. You can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram. We are at Scouting Stuff Podcast on both of those. And on all three of those platforms, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, you can send us messages. I get all of them. I really do. We are also on Locals. You can find a link in the show notes. We are on Mighty Networks. Again, link in the show notes. We do have a Discord server underused as it is. Again, the link will be in the show notes. And of course, if nothing else, you can leave us a review. You can go to scoutingstuffpodcast.com and click on the reviews link in the top bar. And you can leave a review right there on the website. Some people have done that before, but it will also give you links to places like iTunes and Podchaser, podcast listening services that also support reviews. And if you leave us reviews there, we will find out about them in due course. Thanks again for listening. And until next time, be prepared. Be prepared.